1: You know what? It was so much fun. We decided to go for it one more time. We're probably going to do it a couple more times after that because that's what I told you last week. And it's been awesome. Thank you to everybody that listened to our uh, Markel Fultz podcast and reliving that bit of nightmare. And uh, it, it just doesn't stop. We just keep going. We just keep boring into the brains of Sixers Past. It is the Out of Sight podcast special engagement series Sixers Multiverse Podcast, What If, and as always, I'm joined by Dave Early. Dave is here, and this was an idea that Dave had, so thanks to Dave for picking this one out. Dave, how you
2: doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back.
1: back this is our thing man what do you want like i told you this was going to be our thing and i can't wait
2: it's only our thing because i was okay on the first one if i was bad you would have found someone new
1: that's not true that's not true (laughs) at all like that's that's what happens with these things you just kind of go for broke and then you edit and then you get better that's what happens (laughs) in radio you just you develop that chemistry over time and you know what we've been podcasting for such a long time we have pretty decent chemistry anyway so last week it was Markel Fultz. This year, this time we're going back to the year what 2015, I believe. Yes. So in the 2015 NBA draft, the Sixers selected Jalil Okafor with the third pick center from Duke University. Let's just start. The the state of the team prior to that draft, 18 and 64. They were entering the third offseason of the process with Sam Hinkie and Brett Brown. Embiid was on the roster, but he hadn't played a game yet. So what what kind of hope was there going into that offseason and that draft?
2: Well, the hope was to find at least one franchise player. And we still weren't no one had any idea if we had one or not.
1: Right. We weren't really sure if Joel was that guy just yet because he hadn't really played. There wasn't too much going on at all, right? No, not at all. There wasn't not even like summer league when he was a rookie.
2: Yeah, no, we hadn't. We, he rebroke his foot. So we, it was now two years. You're heading into what was being touted as basically a three man top tier. Um, for most of that winter, I remember hearing, you know, who's going to be the number one pick. Is it going to be Jaleel or is it going to be Carl Anthony Towns? And over the course of that winter, I think Towns pretty much separated himself as the one. But Okafer wasn't that far behind and and D'Angelo Russell sneaked in there too.
1: Right. The only positive that I could really pick out about that roster going into this offseason was rookie Nerlands Noel. Nine and 9.9 points, 8.1 rebounds, and about two blocks a game. That was that was a ser- that was a good positive. Like that was nice, some some defensive Embiid insurance. Not really great offensively, but I like Nurland's rookie year. What did you think of rookie Nurland's?
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, he had the length you were looking for. He had the range. You you could felt like you could pencil him in for some rim protection, some deflection, some mayhem, a lob threat. Um, and at that time, there was this pride or this belief that the Sixers could help guys learn to shoot jump shots. So they were taking these sort of Sam Presti over the course of the years type of bets, you know, bringing how he brought in guys like Roberson and Diallo and Ferguson and others. And was like, I'm going to get the athletes. One of them's going to learn to shoot. And I think the Sixers were looking to do something similar. Um, Obviously there were high hopes on him because they traded away drew for him in the first place. Right. Uh, That didn't pan out whatsoever, but
1: Drew kicked off the process, which is why I continue to wear a Drew Holiday jersey.
2: Yeah, and it it was just, Zach Lowe, I was listening to a podcast, just compared the Spurs, the DeJounte Murray trade to that original Sixers trade. You know, you got basically an all-star point guard that you're going to fire off to kick off a multi-year tank. Um, You know he's really good, but you don't feel like you're going anywhere even with him on the roster, so.
1: Right. As far as shooters go, you know, Bob Covington was out there doing his thing on the team. He was leading the team in three-point shooting. And then my personal favorite, another one of the Process Era Sixers, whose jersey I also own, albeit a bit oversized, uh, Tony Roten. My personal favorite Sixer of the Process (laughs) Era. That is no secret. Everybody knows I love me some Tony Roten. Shout out Tony Roten if he is somehow listening on this podcast or if he's Mentioned in the in the tweets, like I, I love you, Tony. You have no idea how much fun you were when you were a Sixer.
2: You have no clue. And he brought attention to them saying, "Trust the process within that within those walls."
1: Right. The draft itself, the Sixers had the third best chances at the number one pick. Was it Towns versus Russell? Because I because it sounds like you're throwing Okafer in that possible number one pick realm as well.
2: He was in that realm throughout the course of that winter at at duke but i think by the time the draft rolled around it was pretty much towns at one maybe if some team out there was going to get really cute because they really needed a point guard they might have but i th- I think towns is going to go on or someone was going to trade up for towns he was the tier one at that point uh from a sixers vantage point you wanted you wanted one of them. You thought Towns was better, and you knew Sam hinkey and his staff, Ben Fox, Ashwin Gupta were not going to be scared to take best player available over fit because they talked about how if you get one of these franchise defining centers, you know everyone was talking about the Spurs, landing Duncan. If you could get that guy, you, you can kick off like a twenty year span of of wins, which the Spurs had just won again in twenty fourteen, like twenty. 20- you know what was it almost 16 years after their first one so right um that was fresh in our minds and i think the sixers were would have been really really happy to get towns or russell
1: now when you talk about best player available with the sixers already having embiid on the roster let's say that the sixers had the number 1 pick and they took towns First of all, Townsend and Embiid is just absolutely ridiculous front court. And I don't even want to imagine it right now. But when you have both of those guys, like you can move one of them to get the rest of the roster that you're looking for. Like that's really easy.
2: If they had if it played out that way, you have to wonder, like, let's say Joel still hurt his knee dunking against the Portland Trailblazers in his rookie year, what was for him his rookie year, right? Would they have traded him now that you've got Towns? And he probably would have won Rookie of the Year on the Sixers. Probably. So I wonder if they would have traded Joel after he got hurt there. He still flashed just enough upside to tantalize a lot of teams. So it all could have played out differently if they had gotten that one. I
1: I would agree with that. But the the complication happened. The, The Lakers leapfrogging both the Sixers and the Knicks to get number two that just threw a wrench into everything because if Towns and Russell are one, two, in some order, like three, I don't want to say, was it kind of a crapshoot? Cause you're looking at Okafor, you're looking at Colley Stein, Moutier was getting some play cause they said the Sixers needed a point guard. Justice Winslow was on the table. Like, I, I feel like Okafor was the best of the rest. And I guess that's why they took him three. Which I guess I, I can't. Believe, re- I can't be too mad at him for that.
2: I, I believe most teams in the NBA at two would have taken Okafor. I think. Really? Laker, yeah, I think the Lakers surprised a lot of people. They were confident that they were going to land a big man. I think that they were overly optimistic. They were going to get someone like LaMarcus Aldridge, if I recall. Interesting. Maybe, maybe a Kevin Love. Uh, I think they were trying to woo. Uh, even Carmelo at one point was it? So yes, I think they thought they were going to get Russell uh, Aldridge, and that's why they pivoted for the point guard.
1: But then, of course, they didn't get Aldridge, and they're just stuck with D'Angelo Russell.
2: Yeah, and then so that hurt Sixers fans because I remember thinking, oh, if they knew they weren't getting Aldridge, they would have took over for let Russell fall. Right?
1: Damn, Lakers just effing up everything having to do with this process. Sixers, it, it happened yeah, at right. least twice. It happened with Lonzo. It happened with freaking Jalil Okafor and (laughs) D'Angelo Russell. Damn Lakers, I swear to God. And they're always Uh, getting
2: lucky, too. And they're always getting lucky. Sons of bitches. Um, The Sixers had, like, what was it, a 50% chance at their pick over those couple seasons?
1: Yeah. Come on, Lakers. How many championships do you guys have? You really need one more? Like, throw other teams a bone here at this point. The one name that always gets constant replay is Kristaps Porzingis. And you can't talk about Porzingis without talking about his soon-to-be-future transgressions that we didn't know about. His, uh, the, the alleged uh, sexual assaults and all like that. But back then, Porzingis was a name that was lingering out there. How, how did you feel about maybe the Sixers taking a shot at Porzingis?
2: I, I'm not ashamed to admit that I was not team Porzingis in those days. I thought of it as like a still, I still thought of it mostly as a three man tier one. And so at the very least, the Sixers are going to get one of these guys and now we're heavily factoring in market value. And I remember take the best player on the board. You might get a truckload of picks. I mean, the prior season, Danny Ainge offered like four first to move up for Justice Winslow. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. So so in my mind, you you did this hoping that your internal development would come for one of these guys and you would know before everyone else who that guy was. And so you could then make the decision, this is our guy. We're building around Joel. He looks good. Or or if it's Ja or if it's Nerlands. And we can trade the other two on our leisure. So that's how I looked at it. Porzingis was clearly the the smarter pick. Uh, I didn't know anything about him. Apparently Sam Hinkie did not either. Right. KP wanted nothing to do with them. All the talk at the time was like the Sixers are tanking. They've got a glut of big men. This, you know, the Latvian big man doesn't want anything to do with them and he's re- he's not releasing any of his physical. He will not meet with them. Like Woj reported it as like an awkward standoff at the time. And so you have to think that that at least played a factor. I know there's a famous example of the Warriors saying, we don't care that you don't want to be here, Steph Curry. We're drafting you anyway. Right. But, there was, <laughs> but he was bawling out at Davidson, just crushing, like even Blake Griffin in, on big stage games, less uncertainty there than taking a guy who you're you're watching like grainy footage and you've never seen him play against American.
0: And, or college
1: like, and like you were saying, Porzingis took no workouts, he had no meetings, and Sixers knew absolutely nothing about Porzingis. So, from that respect, I guess I can understand why not take that chance on him, just because it's just such an unknown, and it's just going to turn out to be all kinds of bad.
2: Yeah, and I, I was reading the stu- same stuff we read now, like not to call people out because I'm one of them. I, I thought Okafer was a good pick, but you know, the people who I respected, Derek Bodner, who had a background from Draft Express. He, he liked Porzingis, but he thought like, the chance to get a guy like Okafer makes sense. Kevin O'Connor, whose work I like, I think he was higher than most on like, Jason Tatum, he, sa- he was comparing him offensively to Carl like, Malone or Tim Duncan. So there was right. this idea that, yes, 100%, there are defensive issues, there are rebounding issues, there are toughness issues, and the game is changing. Those concerns were all there but the offense was seen by you know like the top experts at ESPN as like it's worth the risk just take this amazing offensive talent he's going to get you 20 and 7 for maybe maybe 15 years
1: there were positives about year 1 jalil he led the team in scoring 17 and a half points per game definitely showed off the elite low post scoring potential and he was absolutely Embiid insurance if he never saw the court Right.
2: 100% Embiid insurance. I mean, you don't want insurance. like You don't want two number three overall picks at the five. It's kind of weird. So you'd love to trade one of these guys. Um, and I think market value was heavily factored into the, the selection. Because, you know, at the time, there was also this report that ownership was hesitant to allow them to draft Porzingis. Mm. They thought the fan base would be disenchanted with a foreign player. They didn't know him. You know, they, they couldn't look at his injury history. You have all these guys who failed coming over uh, that just fizzled as prospects. Most of us remembered the guy that the Pistons took, Darko Milicic. And oh, I was like, God. You really want to go this route when you, when you can watch these guys from Kentucky and Duke play and play well? And, like, um, I think we were just less inclined to gamble in those days, too
1: the the negatives were definitely there and they were always talked about just his turnstile defense. Yep. And that was definitely a problem, but I'm wondering was did nerland's kind of offset that at all? Like even a little bit?
2: I mean, I didn't really want to see all these guys playing together at once. I wanted them to trade them right away. Basically, I, you know, I wanted them to, and I think they probably had in mind a Michael Carter Williams deal. Like, Maybe Jock ja can win rookie of the year. You know, his rookie year was maybe his best year in the NBA right. by far. So I think very much there were reports that Sam Hankey was shopping him uh, leading up to that deadline. And then there were reports that I think it was more um, from the Bucks County who was basically saying that now Colangelo is in charge and he wants to change the regime. Um, so my, my read of all that was Sam Hinkie had something lined up and Jerry was not into it. You know, the idea of trading the rookie of the year for a pick that wouldn't convey for another four seasons was agony. Dario's not coming over. Right. Mel re-injures his foot. Nerland's had his ACL and it was like, it would be such a joke if you yeah. t- if you'd traded Ja after taking him and like, People would say people were already saying you're kicking the can down the road forever to do that again would have been crazy. But then, sure enough, after the trade deadline, Danny Ainge comes out and says, "Yes, we had something lined up. We had a blockbuster lined up, and the other team backed out." And then Adam Kaufman came out and said, "That was a deal, sending the 2016 third overall pick to the Sixers for Okafor. And you wow. know, that was Jalen Brown. So, wow. If this, if all of these tea leaves add up, and I believe they do. Sixers were going to trade Ja for the pick that would have become Jalen Brown, uh, at least another Brooklyn pick. The next one led to Colin Sexton, I believe.
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, I would kill for either of those guys right now.
2: Yeah, but NBC Sports Philly speculated that because Colangelo was in power now at the time, he basically put the kibosh on more kicking the can down the road. So that deal fizzled. Um, Not that the Sixers would have taken Jalen Brown because Brian Colangelo was in love with Done at that point. He was offering like nerland's Covington, the picks that became Corkmaz and TLC all you know, my like god done and paired done with Simmons the next year. So it would have been what? weird, but at least at least the Celtics wouldn't have gotten Jalen Brown.
1: Okay. I can't my, my head's about to explode. Um <laughs> how much of the alleged opinion about Philadelphia factor into Jaleel's kind of like downward spiral and then follow up. Was that more Jalil or more his dad? Because we we can't have a Philadelphia athlete without, you know, one parent sticking his nose, sticking his or her nose where it doesn't belong.
2: Yeah, I don't know. What what do you think?
1: I kind of think it was a little bit more on Jali, uh, on um, uh, Jalil's father because I saw so many reports and just like photos of Jalil just walking around in Center city just taking pictures with fans saying what's up and just trying to ingratiate himself with the city as best as he could i think it was just julio's father just like running his mouth when he didn't really need to that's yeah the, i mean that's the read i got
2: it, a lot has been talked about i think your own white reported that like you know the Sixers didn't have the best infrastructure in those days and that played a factor and shocking thing and it was it was the job you know some of those incidents the nightclub stuff with the gun that led to them saying all right enough oh so i
1: forgot about that oh my god
2: <laughs> we're we're a complete barn and we got to get in jerry Colangelo to clean this up so the getting the third pick was basically the worst of the worst case scenarios and it hit
1: there was something there with a rotation of Okafor, Nerlens, and Embiid eventually coming, but one of them would have to move to the bench if not be traded. Did you have a preference as far as which one should have been traded? Because personally, I would have tried to trade uh, Nerlens just to see what I could get for him.
2: I, I didn't know what to make of Joe, you know, because once he rebroke his foot and you didn't even know how good he was going to be, Right. It was, it was scary to say, let's just trade Okafor, and, and trust that Joel going to be fine and healthy. And he had a fractured back. He's, he twice did the foot and the navicular. We were, remember we were reading like he took a beta carotene injection from his guitar, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it, it was a little scary at the time. I didn't hate the idea of playing out season one with job, ja, but he was my first choice to trade because there, the defense wasn't there. The shooting wasn't there. I thought he was the perfect guy to juice up his stats and flip them.
1: I I like that idea. I like the idea of selling high on a player or um, I I don't necessarily ever want to give up on somebody that definitely had Embiid's level of potential, especially when I saw it at Kansas. Like I have to see it on the floor at least once before I make a real decision. And then he played 50 games and I was just like, oh yeah, good thing we didn't trade this guy.
2: Dude, 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 looked like Elijah wanted cancel. Let's be honest; it was ridiculous. Seriously, and uh, <laughs> and so I think the highest upside play was to trade for somewhere in 2016.
1: We're gonna take a quick commercial break, and we're gonna be back, and we'll transport ourselves to some alternate universe uh, scenarios. It's the Out of Sight Podcast special engagement series. It's the Sixers Multiverse Podcast. We're talking about. What if the Sixers had acquired anybody other than Jaleel Okafor or if Okafor panned out a little bit differently? Back after a word from these sponsors from the Liberty Ballers podcast network.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. All right, so
1: we're back. It's the special engagement out-of-sight podcast series, the Sixers Multiverse podcast. We're talking about Jalil Okafor this time around and how things could have played out a little bit differently. So here's the first question I have for you. And it sounds like, based on what you were saying in the first part of this podcast... If there was a possibility to trade up, you would have went for Towns. Yeah. I, see, I'm silly like that, and I sometimes just say, you know what? To hell with BPA. I just need fit. I would have traded up to one or two to snag D'Angelo Russell. And I know I'm going to get a lot of crap for that in the, in, in the socials. I'm going to get so much flack for that.
2: I, no, I mean, are you saying you would have you done that at the time?
1: At the time, I probably... Yeah. At the time, I would have done whatever it took to snag D'Angelo Russell. If I can't get him at one, then I'll talk to the Lakers and see if I can trade up to two. Because if it sounds I, I like they wanted to get LaMarcus Aldridge and failed, i had have been like, listen, we want to take Russell, too. And somebody that is comparable to LaMarcus Aldridge is sitting right there. You can groom him.
2: Yeah, I, I thought there was enough of a, a gap between Towns and Russell that I would have happily taken Towns and then. You know, Work myself, it out. I've got, yeah, I've got at least two guys that I think are franchise players. Right. I'm looking at the a top pick, top five pick next year. I've got all these other picks that we're adding and we, sure. we kept adding. Um, so I think, uh, I think this, the long-term approach is the right move. And let's just, let's just get these guys in the door. I mean, you look at teams like the New York Knicks, they've gone so many years without being able to have one franchise player. That if they could get Donovan Mitchell, um, that's at least a start.
1: Zero franchise players and like six power forwards.
2: Exactly. So the (laughs) the Sixers at the time were like, "We have to get." Oh my god! (laughs) It's
1: the Knicks' strategy. Uh, So at the time, let's say they draft Towns. So now you're looking at Towns and Embiid. If Embiid is healthy, Covington. Hollis Thompson, another great process name. And they had Carl Landry on the roster, but I don't know who that third guard is. Who's the the point guard there? Probably Roden, unless they signed somebody. Didn't they sign uh, Sergio Rodriguez that offseason?
2: They traded for Ish, right?
1: Yes. Oh, my God. Kevin Rice's favorite point guard of all time, Ish Smith.
2: See, because he was a Colangelo acquisition trading away picks, for a veteran, I was never on board with that pick. So I, I prefer Roten. I preferred to root for Roten and Ish at the time. Exactly. They're both super likable.
1: With the Sixers getting Russell at two, because let let's face it, like if you can get Carl Anthony Town and you're the Timberwolves at one, you you don't mess that up. You're just like, you know what? Screw it. There's no there's not an offer you can make where we give you the first overall pick. We want Carl Anthony Town. So I, I'm down to snag number two and get D'Angelo Russell, in which case the lineup is Russell and with a question mark, Covington, Hollis Thompson, and Carl Landry. Like that's, that's, that's something you're probably not going to the playoffs with that roster, but it's at least really something to build
2: on. You had Elton Brand in those days too.
1: And you had Elton Brand on that team too. Like the old Chevy, like I would have, that's, that's a pretty competent roster.
2: Yeah, you had you had TJ, you had Jeremy Grant, you had Rashawn Holmes. There was stuff. There were
1: things. There was stuff Jakar. there. Yeah. Jakar Sampson. Um, who's the other guy? I don't, I don't think KJ McDaniels was still on the team by this time. Weems, Kendall Marshall. Kendall Marshall. Oh, my Phil God. I forgot. Pressy. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, Stauskas. Not, oh, Stauskas. not a playoff team, but definitely fun and something to build on. You're not Here's, a
2: playoff team. <laughs>
1: I, hey, man, that's something to root for. You know what I mean? Just, Playoffs. I'm just looking Playoffs. for anything. Okay. All right. Calm down, Jim Moore. Uh, <laughs> is there any way that you would have taken Porzingis and just hoped
2: that he played? I wouldn't have, but more power to them if they, if they would have. That would have been amazing because Porzingis and Embiid together when it finally happened in 2017. That's a hell of a front court. It would have just been so unbelievable with the floor spacing that KP provided and the rim protection from those two. It would have been so fun. Um, the, the injury risk was absolutely off the charts. But if anyone had the foresight to shop Porzingis when Phil Jackson wanted to, remember that? Oh, one? man. Got, he got himself fired, like just shopping KP for Devin Booker.
1: Oh, we'll, we'll get to Devin Booker in a second. Um, between Porzingis and Embiid, like that's a hell of a twin towers. And it just seems like unfair to inle- unleash something like that on the league. And I was just like, damn it, what could have been? Yep. yep. Is there a universe where Embiid, Okafor kind of works out as like a Ralph Sampson, Elijah Wan kind of thing, where Embiid serve as the more defensive guy, but definitely has some offensive prowess. And then Okafor can also play the four and the five and maybe feast on some of these second-team front-court guys.
2: Are you asking me in 2023 or 2015 what right. I thought? <laughs>
1: I mean, let's, let's no, say both. Let's no. Let's say Never. both. No there's no, no, there's world. no, there's no world that exists where Embiid and Okafor turn into, like, a twin-tower situation.
2: I mean, would you have wanted to see Embiid and Greg Monroe against Toronto in 2019?
1: listen I have my that's
2: how it would have looked
1: I have my thoughts about Greg Monroe and I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that Jaleel Okafor probably would have provided more of an offensive spark in that series than Greg goddamn Monroe
2: yeah, maybe, but like with him posting up near Embiid and Jimmy Butler, like fanning everyone out of the paint.
1: Oh, uh, true. He's, yeah. He's
2: fanning out Ben Simmons, Greg Monroe, and Joel Embiid, asking them all to clear up. Well, no, I'm no, i would
1: no, be like, oh, okay, so Okafor starts the game and it's like he's in there for like five, six minutes, and then Embiid takes no, a, no, takes a sit.
2: We, we sickened our fans enough over the years. Let's right. move on. Okay,
1: fine. All right, we'll move on. The other option in that draft was trading back. Knowing what we know now, obviously the pick is Devin Booker in like the seven to nine range. But this draft, I remember this draft being incredibly weak outside of towns, Russell and Okafor. Like there were a lot of names with a lot of question marks.
2: Oh man. If you just knew that Devin Booker was the guy you wanted, you could have traded back and still got him. And
1: got more uh, assets.
2: You could have gotten more assets. Yeah, you could have picked up a guy like Bobby Portis, Larry Nance Jr. I mean, if you want to go into the second round, there's some other good players. So tough, let, me,
1: let, let me look up the 2015 NBA draft and then figure out, like, who is a good trade-up candidate to take Okaford at three, because I'm sure we can find one. Sacramento at six. They took Kali Stein. I, I think – I, I think looking back now, I think they would have traded up three to get Okafor because Kali Stein didn't exactly pan out for them.
2: Yeah, you have, to, you have to assume that the Sixers had some very solid offers to move back, and the reason they didn't was because they thought there was a tier gap between Okafor and the next player they would have t- taken in terms of likelihood to be one of those you know, perennial 20 and 10 guys. I think Brett Brands talked about it. like That's what you need. You need a guy who can change everything for your whole franchise. You got like Shaq or Dwight Howard who can take you from first overall pick to the finals within a couple of seasons.
1: There's one team that just screams at me, and that's the Charlotte Hornets at nine. Charlotte trades up to three, and they get Jalil Okafor, who basically played in North Carolina for his entire collegiate career. I think that would have made a ton of sense for the Charlotte Hornets. At the, at the time, it probably would have because they took Kaminsky.
2: This is the pick. That Danny Ainge offered four future first-round picks to get, and Michael Jordan told him, "No, we're taking Frank the Tank." So, oh my God, if he was Michael. If he was, if he was willing to offer four picks to move up there and take Winslow, then what would he have given you to move up to three and take Job, who he Did, loved even a year later? We'd still be dre- we'd still be using Hornets picks at this point. Well, they they would have used them all on Harris to buy yeah. Harris yeah
1: <laughs> either way fine i'm totally i'm okay with that
2: yeah but yeah
1: booker went 13 to phoenix and i feel like the furthest back that you could go for a team that is interested in
2: okafor
1: 11 to indiana
2: like they hey, took think, they took miles turner i think all these teams would have been interested to make you an offer if, if they thought you could get to three
1: so the Knicks were probably way in on Porzingis, but every other team after that, Orlando at five, Sacramento at six, Denver at seven.
2: I think Mo- the Knicks would have given you an offer to, to get to three. I don't think they, I don't think they preferred Porzingis over Okafor.
1: But at the time, would you have taken Devin Booker fourth?
2: At the time? No, I, I didn't know that Devin Booker was an all NBA perennial superstar, but right. Uh,
1: that's why I'm thinking, like at that time, he, like Booker was kind of an unknown, which is why I'm thinking eh, seven to ten range is probably where he would I where I would have been comfortable drafting him because yeah, Denver at seven took Mudiay, the Pistons at eight took Stanley Johnson, the Hornets were locked in on Kaminsky at nine, and then Winslow went to Miami at ten. So I feel like if you could convince maybe Detroit to trade up the three hey you're getting Julius okafor and then we'll take Devin booker at eight we'll take a shot on the kid
2: yeah i think that's fair i'm looking at the liberty ballers 2015 big board we've got o'connor pavorsky mike levin reuter and clancy and where did same, they have
1: booker did they have him anywhere on the on the big board at
2: all he's not high he's not high let me see if anyone's got him at all
1: I'm wondering how high he was in that in that collection of draft boards. Because okay. I would be shocked if he was like top fifteen. Gout
2: Gouten had him uh, tenth overall.
1: See, that's a that's about where I was thinking seven to ten range. Let's see what Jake where Jake Fisher had him. I feel Fisher like Jake had him kind of low.
2: Jake was Towns, Hisonia, Russell, Stanley, Johnson, oprah oh. He or right, He does have Booker here. Let's. Let's call him out, Booker Mario Hazonia. Fourteenth, fourteenth overall, not bad.
1: Not bad. So, so he was right on that 13, 14.
2: Yep. I wonder if he had intel at the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I wonder. Maybe maybe some uh um what what's what's the word some uh some collusion there. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I I think o- overall how how did this scenario play out like the real life version of it was it like did, I don't think it set the franchise back
2: horrifically bad right see I, I think that it it did um I think it did just because you couldn't get Russell I think it did not because of that I think because their alternatives once they once they landed at three their alternatives were to trade this guy and trade this pick and I think they probably had some really good offers that you and I, if we were sitting there and we saw everything they were looking at, I'm thinking we would have been giddy pinching ourselves if we could know what we know now. Right. Like, goodness, they're offering us, like, the six and two futures and we could draft Booker. So I'm guessing that they strongly weighed options like that, and I'm guessing that they had some really nice offers during the 2015-2016 season, like the one Danny Ainge talked about having, and someone in, with the Sixers backed out. I wonder who. Um, so, yeah, that could have like you can draft a bust if as long as you learn that he's a bust before everyone else i mean you saw the calves do it with like anthony bennett and deon waiters you just yep. bundle your lottery bust and trade them yep you could still uh, get value
1: the only way to end this subject is just three simple words god damn colangelos i swear that those effing guys damn it okay
2: yeah, but let's go a rung higher and say uh, the Sixers getting ownership, getting cold feet on their own process. and Oh, yeah. The wrong people to help.
1: Unbelievable. Just like let – we need multiple podcasts, multiple what-if podcasts if we ever do like a Sam Hinkie, joint. Like what if the Sixers had stayed pat with Sam Hinky?
2: Yeah, it would have been interesting. Like we
1: can't – like there's no effing way we could get – through it in one podcast.
2: You know he took he took MCW over Giannis, so you can kill him for that. But who, sure, who knew, who knew Giannis was going to be Giannis? he uh, knew Giannis Mori- was going to be
1: Giannis. People in Greece didn't know what Giannis was going to be.
2: Yeah, Daryl Morey called him out. He's like, we thought Sam would have plunged for the upside there, but uh, he didn't <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> on a podcast. um But I think he he could have Michael Carter Williams his way out of that. You know the, Michael Carter Williams was traded for the pick that became Mikhail Bridges. You know the rest. Blah blah blah. So I think there was a way to mitigate the disaster for sure that that they didn't execute on because they switched to Colangelo's.
1: I mean, not totally bad. Like it didn't. I don't think it set the franchise back too badly. But mistakes were made. Let's just put it that way.
2: Yeah, I wonder if they had access to Porzingis, you know, if it wasn't all the stigma of the process. If yeah. If he was like, they'll let me play here. Would they have taken him if they could have seen his physical? That was fine. Or, uh, you know, I mean, uh, who knows?
1: I think they had, had Porzingis committed to, like, at least giving the Sixers a legitimate shot. I can see the Sixers maybe going for him.
2: Porzingis might have been the type of, injury time bomb waiting to happen that it wouldn't have mattered like true have traded him because he looked so good and you know there was a documentary released by the knicks about a doctor saying to him like you're gonna need to relearn to walk you remember those scary things oh yeah and it was like you're gonna tear the other acl if you don't rewire your biomechanics so it's possible that he was destined to have some serious issues which is stuff that phil jackson talked about when he tried to trade him and then got fired
1: See, listen to listen to people. Listen to guys like Phil Jackson. They're, they're smart. They know what they're doing.
2: Jeannie Buss wants to. She's not allowed to anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. We're going to jump on out of here, get back to reality. And once again, Sixers are in Summer League right now. Everybody is covering Summer League. All of the pertinent information that you need. It's on LibertyBallers.com. Follow everybody on the site. Follow everybody that is doing fine podcast work for the Liberty Ballers podcast network, including myself and Dave. We will have more of these little what if podcasts coming up in future weeks until training camp, maybe not training camp, but you know what? We'll, we'll figure some stuff out. In the meantime, Dave, always, always lovely talking to you about Sixes history and again, commiserating in misery with someone. is actually
2: very therapeutic. Getting into this multiverse is a good escape. It really is.
1: Oh, just wait. Just wait until I I make you escape to like the 1990s. Like that's going to (laughs) be fun. That is going to be amazing.
2: Yes, I'm down.
1: (laughs) Until next week, this is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Special engagement series. Sixers Multiverse Podcast. Jalil Okafor what could have been we we will never know but that's fine because i kind of like where we are until next week dave and i are going to get out of here stay cool because you know damn it it's going to be hot pretty much all week but stay cool and uh, we'll talk to you next week